European Hearts Journal Issue at a Glance, Volume 39, Issue 45, Focus Issue on Atrial Fibrillation, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Lucia. Atrial Fibrillation, Overall Cardiovascular Risk Beyond Stroke and Current Management. Atrial fibrillation is the most common arrhythmia associated with an increased overall risk for cardiovascular events such as stroke, but also myocardial infarction, heart failure, and death. Although enormous progress has been made in catheter-based management and in the prevention of stroke with anticoagulants and devices, there are patients where the therapeutic approach is uncertain. In the fast track, a randomized controlled trial of AV junction ablation and cardiac resynchronization therapy in patients with permanent atrial fibrillation and narrow QRS, Michele Brignole and the APAF CRT investigators investigated whether AV junction ablation in conjunction with biventricular or CRT pacing is superior to pharmacological rate control therapy in reducing heart failure and hospitalization in patients with permanent atrial fibrillation and narrow QRS. They randomly assigned 102 patients with severely symptomatic permanent atrial fibrillation, narrow QRS, and at least one hospitalization for heart failure to AV junction ablation and CRT or to pharmacological rate control therapy, both with defibrillator according to guidelines. After 16 months, the primary outcome of death due to heart failure or heart failure hospitalization or worsening heart failure had occurred in 12% in the ablation plus CRT arm and in 38% in the drug arm with a hazard ratio of 0.38. Significantly fewer patients in the ablation plus CRT arm died or had heart failure hospitalizations with 12% versus 33% hazard ratio of 0.28, or were hospitalized for heart failure with 0% versus 25% hazard ratio of 0.30. As compared with the drug arm, ablation plus CRT showed a 36% decrease of the specific symptoms and physical limitations of atrial fibrillation at one year. Thus, Ablation plus CRT is superior to pharmacological therapy in reducing heart failure and improving quality of life in elderly patients with permanent atrial fibrillation and narrow QRS. These findings are further discussed in a thoughtful editorial by Lucas V. A. Boersma from the St. Antonius Hospital in Neuvergein in the Netherlands. The incidence of atrial fibrillation has increased significantly over the last decades due to age, long-standing hypertension, diabetes and heart failure with preserved or reduced ejection fraction, but possibly also to changes in population height. Indeed, height is an important risk factor for atrial fibrillation. In their article, Increasing Population Height and Risk of Incident Atrial Fibrillation, the Copenhagen City Heart Study, 
Gorm Boja Jensen and colleagues from the Frederiksberg Hospital in Frederiksberg, Denmark, assessed the role of changes in population height and atrial fibrillation in 18,852 individuals of the Copenhagen City Heart Study. During follow-up, age-standardized prevalence of atrial fibrillation increased significantly from 1.35% to 2.11% in men and from 0.67% to 1.07% in women. Incident atrial fibrillation increased fourfold in both men and women. Height was an important risk factor for incident atrial fibrillation with hazard ratios between 1.35 and 1.65. Population height increased with 3.3 cm for men and 2.1 cm for women, and population attributable risks for height were 20-30%. Thus, height is a powerful risk factor for atrial fibrillation. While catheter ablation is currently considered a very valuable alternative therapeutic strategy to medical therapy, which, in those with heart failure, may even reduce mortality, the procedure is not without risk. In their article, Incidents of Complications Related to Catheter Ablation of Atrial Fibrillation and Atrial Flutter, a nationwide in-hospital analysis of administrative data for Germany in 2014, Gerhard Steinbeck and colleagues from the Klinikum Großhardern in Munich, Germany, noted that retrospective studies, registries, and controlled trials may underestimate real-world risks of catheter ablation for atrial fibrillation and flutter. Thus, they assessed complications in a nationwide approach of 33,353 in-hospital cases. For left atrial ablations, the overall complication rates ranged from 11.7% to 13.8%, depending on type and site of applied energy, including major complications ranging from 3.8% to 7.2%. Whereas overall complication rates were lower for atrial flutter ablations, interestingly, major complications occurred more frequently. Particularly, in-hospital death was four times more common following right than following left atrial ablations. Stratified by center ablation volume, significantly fewer overall complications occurred in centers performing over 100 rather than fewer left atrial ablations annually. Thus, Administrative data of all atrial fibrillation ablations in Germany in 2014 revealed higher overall and major complication rates than previously reported. Few patients were treated in low-volume centres, but were exposed to a higher overall complication risk. Atrial flutter ablations were associated with surprisingly high rates of life-threatening complications. Whereas advanced age combined with highly prevalent cardiac, pulmonary, and vascular comorbidities likely play a major role, clinical studies need to address the benefits and safety of catheter ablation in an elderly, diseased population. Major adverse cardiac events beyond just stroke are associated with atrial fibrillation, particularly in individuals free of overt coronary artery disease. The metabolic syndrome increases cardiovascular risk, 
but less is known about how it influences outcomes in those with atrial fibrillation. In their article, Association of Metabolic Syndrome with Non-Thromboembolic Adverse Cardiac Outcomes in Patients with Atrial Fibrillation, Petar M. Seferovic and colleagues from the University Clinic Center in Belgrade, Serbia, assessed whether the metabolic syndrome affects the risk of major adverse cardiac events in 843 patients with atrial fibrillation, but no coronary artery disease. Metabolic syndrome was present in 35.8%. At five-year follow-up, 14.0% of patients experienced major adverse cardiac events. Metabolic syndrome conferred a hazard ratio of 1.98 for major adverse cardiac events and for individual outcomes such as infarction, hazard ratio of 2.0, revascularization, hazard ratio of 2.33, and cardiac death with a hazard ratio of 2.59. Following propensity adjustment, the association between metabolic syndrome and major adverse cardiac events remained significant. Thus, the metabolic syndrome is common in atrial fibrillation and confers an increased risk of major adverse cardiac events. Given its prognostic implications, prevention and treatment of metabolic syndrome may be mandatory in atrial fibrillation. The issue is complemented by two discussion forum articles. The first is related to the article Resumption of Oral Anticoagulation Following Traumatic Injury and Risk of Stroke and Bleeding in Patients with Atrial Fibrillation, a Nationwide Cohort Study, by Leila Steck and colleagues from the Gentofte University Hospital in Copenhagen, Denmark. In their contribution entitled, Oral Anticoagulant Treatment in the Elderly, There is Still an Unmet Need for Better Individualized Risk Assessment, André Condronu and colleagues from the Municipal Hospital of Luxembourg comment on the paper. Lastly, this issue is also complemented with a discussion forum article entitled The 2018 ESC-ESH Guidelines for the Management of Arterial Hypertension Leave Clinicians Facing a Dilemma in Half of the Patients, authored by Philippe Gabriel Steg and colleagues from the INSEM U698 and Hôpital Bichat Claude Bernard in Paris, France. This commentary is a response to the 2018 ESC-ESH guidelines for the management of arterial hypertension. The editors hope that this issue of the European Hearts Journal will find the interest of its readers. <laughs>